SoundCloud wants to make it easier for you to get all of your favorite Smodco podcasts at home or on the go. Get the SoundCloud app today, and you can follow and get your podcast on with your computer or smartphone. Guess what else? The podcasts are on SoundCloud before anywhere else. Go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and get your free app and SoundCloud account today. Geek News Reviews, Commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary Big Ball Broadcast. Insert random joke here. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett, of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, Episode 8. My name is Kyle A. Bear. I'm an anime and video game voice actor based on the West Coast. And your co-host on the East Coast, Other World Steve. I'm a musician and amateur historian. So, technically, even though we're, we're well into January, um, we're recording this earlier on. In January, because we, uh, you know, we we bagged, uh, you know, we canned a bunch of episodes for the holidays and everything. You have been like coughing up lungs and mucus and and all sorts of fun bodily fluids, pretty much every week. And and you're still like, you still got that bug. It's kind of in its last legs now. And uh, I was laughing hysterically before we started recording, so I sound a little bit more phlegmy than I'm, I actually have been. But yeah, my whole household has been devastated. My uh, youngest ended up with pneumonia in both lungs. Um, both my kids ended up on antibiotics. My wife ended up in urgent, ch- urgent care. I was the last holdout, but New Year's Eve, of all times to get sick, my alcoholic beverage of choice was NyQuil. Oh, man. That's wild. I'm sorry to go on tangents, but that's what we do here because we're really ADD. Um, we record our shows and we have a live audio stream so people can listen in while we record each episode. And we have the chat room going right now. And a guy calling himself or herself Taco Farts says, Today in history, Jesus defeated Hitler in the Great Macaroni Wars of Idaho. And Taco Farts claims to be an expert in Civil War anthology. I would take that as fact because it's been said on the internet and you repeated it. So indisputable fact. It's got to be true. God, man. So uh, speaking of, you know, fighting the bug that's going around, and it is because, my God, you go into stores and everyone's like, they're hacking up lungs. They're like, oh, my God, I feel like shit. And it's like I've been able to stave it off a little bit because I take like two packets of emergency every day, which is basically like airborne because I'm not one of those guys that eats properly and, and, and takes vitamin supplements. So it's like, I'll just put it in a fruity drink. It'll be fine. And then, okay, so now uh, today I'm starting to feel the tickle there. It's like, oh, shit. No, no, don't happen. This is a terrible strain where, like, we're going to knock this out with Tamiflu and charge you $200 or, you know, an expensive doctor's visit or give you amoxicillin because this over-the-counter crap probably is not going to knock it out. And knowing you, Steve, you're probably... You probably don't take anything. You just sit there and have coffee and cigarettes and just laugh about it. You know, it's sad because on a daily basis, generally my only fluid intake for the entire time in the wake is coffee. And I know that's going to be devastating to one's personal health. Uh, but the last couple of days, I've actually been drinking some orange juice. I, I have a half gallon sitting at my feet right now because I decided it was time to do something to kind of boost that immune system a little bit. But normally, yeah, I don't medicate when I'm sick. I just medicate for the fun. But, um, <laughs> yeah. The whole time we've been talking about the, getting sick, what keeps going through my head is we're certainly in two different worlds, you and I, because I can go to work sick. Granted, I'll get all my coworkers sick, but hey, you know, that that's all part and parcel. Um, if you get sick, you just can't do your job. Well, yeah, they're, they're, that's that's very true. And then the same happens if I'm sitting there. You know, going <laughs> into the mic, those germs are sitting there on, on the mic stand and, and the music stand and the headphones, and then eventually everyone else gets it, and then they're all pissed off. It's like, all right, which one of you motherfuckers came in here and recorded that way? Because uh, now I'm going to take this home to my kids, or they get it from their kids and bring it up and, and everyone else, and no one wants to miss a gig, right? Because we're all freelance, and we gotta we got to go in there. we got to get the job, and I got that strong work ethic, man. I feel like shit if I call in sick and have to, have to reschedule a session and all that, even though it's totally built into the production schedule, and they expect that because people call in and say, hey, can we switch this, and this, this came up, that came up, and hey, if you sound like Marge Simpson and you normally don't, then, yeah, you shouldn't be recording, much less getting everyone else fucking sick. 
So when you get everybody else sick, then everybody has to endure six months of reruns because nobody can go in and record every show. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. And, and you know, I, I was around, you know, thousands of people literally because you guys listening right now, you, you hear me in between all the podcasts here on Sir and Smodcast because I do all the, the promo voices. I'm Sir Dude. Yo, it's time to babble the fuck on. So I do all that stuff. But I do it from home, right? But I also do this for a living voiceover for anime and video games and cartoons and commercials and all that sort of thing. And I, I get to travel the world. I'm very, very lucky. Get very blessed to do what I do. But, you know, yeah, you're sitting on a plane, which is a lovely little nesting ground for bacteria with that recirculated air. And then you're meeting tons of fans and cosplayers who, you know, bless their heart. You know, they're so nice and so sweet. But then they just, it's great to meet you. You, You're the voice of my childhood. And then next thing you know, your voice is shot just in time for your 9 a.m. session on Monday morning. Well, maybe gives the director some other options. Initially, Kyle, I didn't want to cast you in this role, but because you sound like this, now you're the monster. You're the monster of the week this week. Dude, I, I have done so many auditions where I have had that, that horrible voice and been able to say, hey, that sounds kind of cool for a monster or like a really grisly kind of dude. And then, you know, if I if I book the role... It's actually kind of difficult to replicate it because my, you know, the voice normally doesn't sound like that. But, you know, as long as it's lower pitched and, and more gravelly, I, I can reach it kind of easily. But, uh, yeah, that's an interesting conundrum. And unfortunately, <laughs> this is what you get from me week after week. So you just get a deal on it. Yeah. I hate when that happens. But, yeah, Sac Anime in Sacramento is where I was. Um, in uh, Sacramento, and I dealt with uh, some really awesome guests. Uh, I was one myself, and then I was I was kind of just geeking out over. Well, I didn't meet them this weekend because I met them before, but the likes of John DiMaggio, who's Bender from Futurama, and Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime, and Eeyore. So literally, a lot of people's childhoods right there. But we had so many, you know, so many guests. I think we had like thirty guest plus on the guest list. So it was really hard for everyone to meet, much less hang out with everybody. Uh, one of the, the staffers is in our chat room right now. It's like, did you get to meet Optimus Prime? And it's like, well, I kind of did because he was in the bar at the hotel, but he was talking to his handler and I didn't want to bug him. So, And I've met him before. He's a very, very sweet man. But um, I had heard from other staffers that he had some difficulty getting from point A to point B because now we're in the time where people are starting to recognize voice actors. Before, they were totally anonymous. And now, because they're on the convention scene, you see their headshots and they're out and about walking the floor or they're doing panels. And, and so they have a much bigger presence and people are starting to recognize them out and about, especially around a convention area. So you go to a bar, a restaurant or whatever. It's like, oh, my God, it's Optimus Prime. And it's like... You know, uh, yeah, it gets a little, little crazy, but I've met him before and I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, rattle any cages or anything or, or overstep any bounds. I feel more comfortable meeting other people in the industry in, in the booth, but, um, I didn't even get to go say hi to John DiMaggio. I've met him before too. Both, ironically, in the same studio. I record in a place called Studiopolis, which uh, records the anime uh, Naruto and, and also did Bleach for many years and lots of other shows. Lots of Marvel stuff gets done there and, and all that and all the, the Transformers stuff. So that's how Peter Cullen, you know, you just, you just walk into the lobby and you never know who's going to be there. Some celebrity or these super duper established voice actors from your childhood, right? So, yeah. Um, but I, ha- I had a lot of fun. This weekend. And uh, Steve, I know it's been a while since you've been to a convention. It's been about five years now. The last convention, though, was a blast. It was probably my favorite con ever. That was uh, Tokosho Con in Pennsylvania. And I get to go as a guest for the Big Ball broadcast. And that was fun. That was a blast. Good times. Well, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get a bigger audience and maybe we can do a show live at a con or something. I know, like, comic book men... And some other shows like, you know, Hollywood Babylon, they've they've taken their show on the road. So who knows? It's been so long since I've been thoroughly uh, inebriated in public. I kind of miss that. I normally just go through the dealer hall 
And I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm the kind of guy who's like, hey, I have the voice of that character. I have to buy the merch. So I have boxes of all these old Dragon Ball Z Gohan figures and, and everything. So I've, I've collected those through the years. And recently, I do more like smaller parts on things. So it's like, oh, there's not really merch from shows that I'm necessarily interested in. But I saw this dealer uh, in the dealer room that was handling his merchandise was just old, out-of-print soundtracks. Except they seem like they were bootleg. They look like he printed the the artwork at home. And he was like, this is rare. This is out of print. It's like, yeah, it's so rare that you made one copy of them from your house and, and charging way too much. But it caught my eye because I was seeing all these scores I've never seen available. Some I had, uh, like in the soundtrack section of, of various stores, you know, a decade plus ago that have now disappeared because the Internet's changed everything. Um but others that it's like I didn't even know existed. So I picked up. I'm a big fan of Plan 9 from Outer Space, infamously known as the world's worst movie from director Ed Wood. And Tim Burton and Johnny Depp made that movie, Ed Wood. That was about an actual film director from the 50s and 60s that made these god-awful movies with, with no budget. And Plan 9 is just one of those great ones that you can totally enjoy. It's so bad, it's a classic. It's amazing. And Steve, I know you have a... Uh, uh, it's near and dear to your heart as well. I have the Edward uh, box collection. It has seven or eight films and it has a, a great documentary on Edward on it. And, um, unfortunately some of the people that participated in, participated in the documentary are no longer with us. Uh, vampires on the documentary and it's great to hear her take on, on Edward. Um, I don't think Plan 9 that bad. I, I think I've seen worse movies, uh, as I've said on, on previous episodes in October, I spend the entire month from the 1st to the 31st just watching at least one crappy B-movie from the 1950s a night. So I, I get between, I don't know, 40 to 50 in in, in October. So I, I've seen most of them. There's a few more for this year. But yeah, I, I think I've seen worse than Plan 9. Does your wife like avoid your man cave when you're like, I'm not watching that shit? She just avoids my man cave period, and it's, it's probably for the best. <laughs> it's like we don't tread down there. This is just like if Indiana Jones trying at the beginning of the movie. It's like there, there's like poison darts and shit, and it's going to be a big boulder if I try to enter there. Random pornography, unpleasant toxicologies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, 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 this ever lingering haze. It's like she probably just has to text you, right? It's like, come out of there because I ain't going in there. We've recorded all the uh, perimeter perimeter of the void recordings down here as well, and uh, one of the participants in in that group was my brother-in-law Tom, and he's a smoker as well. And we'll be down there smoking, and even he'll say like, "Turn on a fan or open a window." It, it gets too much for him, but I'm just kind of used to it. Um, what was that movie where the alien had to smoke because the uh, environment in the future was so messed up, or? or Oh, God, I don't know. Is it a good movie or just a really no, bad no, one? It's a terrible movie. <laughs> but it it's reminds so me of that. I, I go out in the fresh air and I'm like, oh, does it feel right? Can't breathe right. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm drawing a blank and maybe it's for the best. I but, think. Yeah. Yeah. So a month ago, or right around Halloween, I found a copy of the Plan 9 from Outer Space soundtrack on vinyl. Now, here's the thing that I've heard for years, is it the actual score or is it just simply the movie, you know, dumped onto an album of some sort? Because I, they did do that in the nineties with a CD and I bought that and the movie's only about an hour long. So it does fit on a, a CD. Um, and I had that, but I, I just wanted the, the score. And this one had individual tracks, names of the songs and the composer and all that. So I thought it was legit. And then when I posted a picture that I had bought it, my friends were going, I don't know. There's people out there claiming it's a score, but it's really just the movie or, or whatnot. But thankfully, when I got home, I popped in the CD, you know, bootleg or not, the audio quality is really, really good. And I don't know if it's the original score or if it's just redone by someone or if it's public domain songs that just happen to be thrown together. I have no idea, but I'm happy. I have something that a lot of people don't give a shit about, but. If they did, they'd be like, I got to have that. And as long as you're happy, my friend, that's all it really comes down to. Indeed. Spend, 
spending way too much on bootleg merchandise. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Right. And then it's like, what else do I need? I mean, I've, I've got my vinyl collection growing and then I've been getting soundtracks on vinyl and I couldn't find Disney's the black hole because that was their answer to star Wars. And I wanted to have, I like that score by John Barry. And then I found it. I just happened to and that dude who was selling the CD of plan nine from outer space. All these other scores had the black hole, but I didn't want to pay he was charging like $40 a disc. How's that for a markup? I want to do a release. Now, you have to remember this. I, I know you're of that generation. The um, really flimsy plastic, um, not vinyl, I guess, like rubbery, that they used to package in the cereal boxes as a prize. Yeah, like a flexi disc type thing, yeah. You put pennies on it to keep the weight distributed when you put it on your turntable. I'd love to do a, a release like that. That'd be awesome. I would. Ooh. Oh, ideas, promo items. Yeah, all that fun stuff. Um, Yeah, so I ended up just looking on iTunes just for the hell of it. And the score was right there for like $9. So it's like, I just saved a bunch of money and it's going to be instantly on my phone. Yay. That's legitimate. That's the actual. It's the actual one. Nice, nice. Yep. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it said Walt Disney Records and. And everything on iTunes. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised what what's out of print and what you think is out of print, but is actually not. Or, I mean, it's easily obtainable. And it's not necessarily bootleg and and all that fun stuff. Um, but, yeah, in the same vein, along that Plan 9 from Outer Space stuff, you know, people of later generations, the 80s and 90s, remember Elvira. But Elvira wouldn't be there without Vampira, and Vampira wouldn't be there Without uh, the Adams family, right? That was uh, the actress uh, who who um, became that persona of vampire. That was her um, inspiration for that, I guess. What's her name? There's like Morticia. Is it Morticia Adams? Morticia Adams. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So Myla uh, Mela Nurmi is the actress for Vampira. Um, I just picked up like a book on Kindle uh, about how. You know her little cultish following in on a, on TV in the in the in the fifties, and there's like no existing episodes left because they didn't record to tape back then. It's just all gone. Um, how that affected you know pop culture and how she was kind of punk for the time and everything. I just think she's a really interesting figure, and she's kind of hot. Well, back then anyway. And she sued. Yeah, she sued Elvira. She uh, she felt that she was overstepping her bounds with the creation of her character. And she ended up losing that in court. I think nowadays, if uh, that was going on, it probably swing a little bit differently. I think back then that was, uh, it was women issues. Oh, damn women. Get back in the kitchen, make a sandwich. Oh no, no. We're going to get our first hate mail. Careful, dude. Oh no, I'm talking about the mindset in the fifties. I'm going to oh, the mi- oh, I don't know if my wife heard that. Fuck no. There wouldn't be a show next week. Yeah, there wouldn't be a man cave. She would just nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. It'd be the end. No, no, no. I don't know. I, I didn't mean that. I meant that entirely in the mindset of the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. Warning. Danger, Will Robinson. Yeah, so Otaku Mama in the chat room, who's listening to our live audio stream here now on Tuesday nights, uh, she chimed in with, Kyle, have you ever watched Santa Claus versus the Martians? I have not, but I know that that is a perennial favorite on MST3K, and I'm sure MST3K also did Plan 9 from Outer Space, although I've never seen them uh, riff on that. It was either them or Riff Tracks. I'm having a hard time recalling exactly which one it was, but there is in the Edward box set. I'm pulling it out from my shelf now. <laughs> oh, you have it right there. Of I course. have it literally, yeah, within reach. It's got, um, let's see, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Night of the Ghouls, Jailbait, Bride of the Monster, and Glen or Glenda. And the documentary, it's a separate disc. It's The Haunted World of Edward D. Wood Jr. And uh, even if you're just curious, I would recommend picking it up. I got it on Amazon probably four or five years ago, and it's really cheap. It was probably 20 bucks and a few bucks shipping. So I would check that out. And I, I do, I absolutely love the, um, the Edward movie with Johnny Depp. Yeah, totally. But, you know, I... And you and I have talked about this before. I think they really skewed uh, Vampira in that. I think they really played her up to be much more of a bitch than she probably really was with Ed Wood. Well, I picked up the documentaries. There's a couple of them on DVD 
And she admits when she first met Ed Wood and when she was doing the part, she thought he was a no talent hack and she was just doing the part and just left. I think she filmed for maybe three hours or something on plan nine. And she's like, ah, you know, whatever. He's an idiot. You know what he's doing. And so knowing that little piece of lore, Tim Burton probably just was like, let's just amp it up. Because I think at the time he was dating that actress that played Vampira in Ed Wood. I think they met on Mars Attacks. Hey, she felt longer in that movie than Bella Lugosi did. So you got to give her props for that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. My God. So, yeah. Yeah, that was that was good times. Good times and and definitely so. If our if we've alienated the audience, we're sorry. We'll we'll, we'll get into 2015 because there's a there, there's a fuck ton of movies to look forward to. You know, um, we of course we got Star Wars. Of course, that's the ass end of the year. But in May, we'll probably see a trailer for it tacked onto Avengers. Um, Ant Man's coming out. Jurassic World. Mad Max. Fuck, man. I'm excited for Mad Max. Fury Road. I never really get into the Mad Max thing. Not into car porn? Me neither, normally. No, no. I I haven't seen Death Proof. Um, I I was never like a Smokey and the Bandit fan growing up. People are all all into that and Death Race and stuff, but it wasn't my thing. Yeah, yeah. I I couldn't get into Death Race either. I remember seeing that. I took like a film appreciation class in college, and I thought, oh, man, this is going to be so awesome. It's going to be so terrible. It's great. I thought it was going to be like Plan 9 or like Evil Dead 2. And it's like, uh, no, it was just kind of (laughs) dull. I ended up actually liking the remake with uh, Jason Jason Statham uh, a lot better, even though, you know, that's probably craptastic too. But uh, our chat room says, hey, Godzilla5549 says the new Terminator. Now, Terminator Genesis looks like a piece of shit, (laughs) I think. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe a good popcorn flick. I don't know, man. I don't know. They've gotten it wrong twice. <laughs> Rise maybe, of the machine. Go in just expecting it to to be shitty. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's been a cult classic ten years from now. <sighs> I'll tell you what, though. I I know you go out of your way to stay spoiler free with all these blockbusters and tent poles coming out within the next couple of years, but um. I, I read one of the toy solicitations regarding the Avengers, regarding the uh, origin of Ultron, and mm-hmm. I won't get into it in this podcast. I, I won't be that kind of dick, but it was enough to really take some of the wind out of the sails from my anticipation for the film. I, I'm still going to go see it, and I hope to enjoy it, but that's the, you know, we talk, I talk a lot anyway, about information getting out way too early, and it's another one of those cases where information got out too early, and... uh it's kind of already soured a little bit of the plot of Avengers for me. And you're a Marvel guy, too. That's even worse. <laughs> but, you know, I think when you see it, you might agree. I think you'll enjoy the, the film overall, as will, you know, millions and perhaps billions of people across the globe. But there's one plot point. Oh, yeah, you're going to catch a little backlash from that. Yeah, but if you looked at it in the overall picture, and I don't know what the spoiler is because I'm intentionally miss um, you know, I'm I'm going to miss uh, what? What am I trying to say? Okay. So, um I'm distracted because the chat room's going on. You catching the vapors from over here? That's I'm a totally lot. catching the vapors. Where was I? I had a thought. Crap. And it's gone. I got excited because um Hero Zero zero four in the chat goes, Hey Kyle, I was listening to the Tusk commentary and heard Kevin Smith mention that the Frank Garman thing was a reference to you when you called him that on Hollywood Babylon. And I said, well, did he actually mention me? He said, not by name. He said, someone who wrote in accidentally called him that. And I'm trying to remember, I think someone did write in and call him Frank Garman instead of Ralph Garman. And then I honestly, when I sent the VO in as the Sir Dude voice, it's like Frank Garman. I meant to say Ralph. I don't know why. I thought it was Frank, and I sent it in. Um, so if you watch Tusk, uh, Ralph Garman plays a detective whose nameplate on his desk is Frank Garman. And I thought, secretly tying it to myself, it's like, is that a reference to me? Because, you know, I, I did make that mistake by calling him that, and then I ended up becoming the voice of the show and then Smodco. So I don't know. But... 
that's kind of cool. I just picked up Tusk on, on Blu-ray last night, but I haven't watched it yet. And I'm dying to and listen to the commentary and all that. But anyway, I had a thought and then it left me. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about not getting into spoilers. But while you try to recapture that thought, let's jump in very briefly into the realm of speculation because yes. another film that's way far off, uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, a lot of anticip- anticipation behind that. Now, another potential spoiler that's come out with these damn toy solicitations is um, in this first wave of merchandise coming out, it's listed that they're going to be selling the uh, Vo- Darth Vader voice changer helmet. So immediately the speculation went to, well, does that mean Darth Vader in the, the costume is actually going to show up in episode seven? Because normally, with, anyway, with the Star Wars films, within the first wave of the movie-related merchandise, it's only been specific to the movie. It hasn't expanded into the other films or the expanded universe. So... Hmm. Thoughts on that? I could I could argue that because Darth Vader has always been a huge seller, that there's been Darth merch even during the prequel era. I mean, before Revenge of the Sith, even. So, I mean, it's not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily a, a big omen pointing to that, but uh, I mean, it could be. There's a lot of talk that at least uh, the helmet shows up in the film, perhaps uh, saved from the fiery destruction at the end of Jedi and put into the hands of a collector on Tatooine. So at any rate, eh, you know, I've always dug Vader. Uh, I think Vader was the first bad guy on film where you didn't feel bad for rooting for the bad guy. You know, for me anyway, growing up, I think, you know, that first appearance, that, that stepping onto the bridge of the uh, Corellian cruiser and uh, just being that imposing presence was like, holy shit, the bad guy is actually pretty badass. That's right. And then, you know, now you can watch the footage hearing Dave Prowse's actual voice on set. And it's like, wow, he's not intimidating at all. He's kind of funny. At point, David Prowse, uh, he really thought his voice was being captured during A New Hope. And I, I wonder what his mindset was going to Empire. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I already know how fucked I'm getting doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I did remember my thought about how, okay, so this one plot point that you read a spoiler, potential spoiler for that could be true, we'll find out in a few months about Avengers. So these are comic book movies. These are <laughs> these are larger than life characters. It's like, okay, I can buy that that these superheroes can fly and do all these superhuman feats, but I'm not going to buy this one thing of the plot. I mean, it, it does it become too nitpicky? In this particular case, I want to say no. Um I posted it on Facebook when I, I read about it, and the first response I got was somebody who basically echoed my sentiment while at the same time keeping it spoiler free. Um I, I don't want to go too far here. I don't want to spoil this for anybody if it is in fact true. But uh, I'll just say sometimes it's not a good idea to make sure everything ties together. Kind of like what we dealt with with the Star Wars prequels. We didn't need Anakin to be the creator of C-3PO. We, we didn't need Yoda knowing Chewbacca. It, it made this vast universe seem really small. Like they were all living in the same neighborhood and all knew each other. Um it kind of seems Marvel may be heading in that direction to explain some of their characters. So, okay. Yeah. I think when the time comes, yeah, yeah might reluctantly kind of go, yeah, that, that point there was kind of fucked, but everything else was great. <laughs> that, I mean, that's something James Gunn has gone on record by saying, you know, he's enjoying all the, the spoils of, uh, of the success of guardians of the galaxy. And people keep thinking, is it going to cross over? Are you going to see the Avengers and the guardians in the same film and the same universe? And he's like, he's adamant about that. It's like, no, that, that kind of, you know, guardians of the galaxy implies that there's, there's so much more to the universe than just Marvel superheroes that are earthbound. You don't, you don't want to tie it in that much. And, you know, he, he kind of criticized the overall game plan that Marvel's doing with, with, you know, we're, we, we're going to put out there. So the public sees that we're making this movie and this movie and this movie, and it all ties into this movie and then the next three and then the next phase and the next phase after that. And everything's just laid out. And you say to yourself, okay, is there a possibility that maybe not all of these movies are going to make the kind of money that guardians did or Iron Man or Avengers? I mean, right now there's no, there's nothing to suggest that that would happen, but 
You never know. I mean, Pixar was 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 knocking them out of the park for year after year after year, and I think they've kind of lost their way. It can happen. Well, Pixar, I think you know they they've kind of learned to to go back to the trough. They have a, a finding. What's her name? Dodie, uh, the bluefish, right? Dodie, finding Dodie as opposed to finding Nemo. Oh, Dory, yeah, Dory, Dory. There you go. So you know they're going they're going back and they're tapping that well again. And, and there's talk of a incredible sequel, which I've been demanding for years. So I, I guess that's good in a sense. Another thing that really trips me up. I, I've got this page up from ComingSoon.net. They've already announced a Fantastic Four sequel prior to the Fantastic Four movie coming out. Now, at least with films like Guardians of the Galaxy, they waited until opening day and got some box office results to say, okay, yeah, this definitely justifies doing a Guardians 2. But when we haven't even seen the Fantastic Four, to have a release date of June 2nd, 22nd, uh, 2017 for Fantastic Four 2, it, it, it's that type of speculation that I'm afraid is really going to burn out the superhero market. Yeah, so you've got, you know, of course, you had the really successful X-Men Days of Future Past, and then Age of Apocalypse is next, and then they got one after that, too. And then on the day that this episode was recorded, they went ahead and announced that you got uh, Channing Tatum for Gambit, and that is dropping a few years from now, either 16 or 17. Like, oh Next year, shit. next October, yep. Yeah. My God, man. And what I thought was weird, too, was uh, a video game-related movie coming out. You have a confirmation for Assassin's Creed, and that's coming out December 21st of next year. So those haven't fared too well historically. Um, I hope they do a decent job with this. No, no, not so much. And other things that don't do well either are adaptations from other media. Well, not just video games, but anime. So obviously there's there's a big controversy out there, you got Scarlett Johansson getting the lead role in Ghost in the Shell, which DreamWorks is going to be uh, putting into production and all that. And um, my take on that is, yes, she's a big box office draw. I can see why they did that. But, um, again, you're doing the source material is a very uh, niche sort of um, appeal and there's so many mainstream Americans and North American well, people worldwide that don't watch anime or manga or read manga and could care less. They know the Avengers and maybe they'll go see it because, oh, yeah, that's her. That's Black Widow. We'll go see it because she's awesome and she's hot, whatever. Um, but in terms of something that's going to be true to the original source material, probably not. It's going to get watered down just like that, that, that uh, much stalled and probably dead in the water uh, Akira adaptation that Leo DiCaprio's production company had and then totally disappeared after Chronicle, a little found footage movie, um, pretty much told the same story for a much smaller budget. You know, my take, I don't get why people get so upset about it. There's nothing really to get bent about. No. Historically, um, the United States has been horrible with Japanese adaptations. I think about the Godzilla movie, which even – Japan parodied in a later Godzilla movie where they killed that version of Godzilla by the true Godzilla because it was just a fucking joke. Um, and yeah, when they talked about the casting of, uh, well, first it was Keanu Reeves um, and Akira, and then they started throwing uh, Keanu Reeves' name around for a Cowboy Bebop live adaptation. And we suffered through Dragon Ball Evolution. And I know nobody more so than you, Kyle, because I know you riffed that movie at cons. I did. Uh, <laughs> So I mean, and this is DreamWorks for God's sake, you know. I really wouldn't expect DreamWorks to bring a, a live uh, anime adaptation to the big screen. The, probably the last company I would think would do that. So I don't think it matters who they announce is going to be attached to this production. I don't care who's directing it, who's starring in it. It's going to be ass from go. So yeah, this uh, any movie. Any movie adaptation from, based on an anime, it's like, oh, they whitewashed it. Ah, da, 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 da. It's like, okay, guess what? If you put all uh, of the biggest stars in Japan live action in there and all these Asian uh, people, you, you, okay, you'd make the niche aren't, uh, audience of anime fandom super, super happy. Mainstream America probably couldn't care less. And they wouldn't necessarily avoid the film, but you're still... The still, you know, the conundrum you have is you got to have a good story and a good script, and they keep failing again and again. Um, you know, 
a better Dragon Ball Z, you know, in terms of effect sequences anyway, you can see much better Dragon Ball Z fights in the Matrix movies. I just don't get the rage. I don't think the rage should be directed at Scarlett Johansson. Um, the rage should be directed at the people who are snatching up these properties and trying to bank on them, trying to strike by the iron's hot. Unfortunately, this is what happened uh, during the anime industry heyday and had a lot of dubbing companies pop up and they just bought whatever property was available from Japan, oversaturated the market, and nearly killed that what is already, as you stated, a niche market. Um, it doesn't sound like they're really throwing a lot of money behind this. Maybe perhaps uh, Scarlo's salary. But aside from that, you know, I, I wouldn't expect Shakespeare. I wouldn't expect Ed Wood. I wouldn't expect this to even maybe get widespread theatrical distribution. Maybe it's going to be straight to DVD. Who knows? But um, it, it's just, it's not even worth arguing about because a year from now we're going to be ghost in the what? Yeah, exactly. It'll, it'll, it'll make, you know, 20 million opening weekend, maybe. And that's just like every anime fan and their, and their dog will probably go just to, just to watch a train wreck, just like the avatar movie, you know, <laughs> the, the last airbender rather. Oh my god, that was horrible! And <laughs> my poor kids are old enough to know better. So it was on network TV, and, and they were watching it, and I wanted to change the channel, trying to you know, no, no, this is poison. This will kill you in your sleep. And they're like, "Well, we're kind of digging it. We want to watch it." And, yeah, you keep hoping that they'll get it right, but you know, the video game movie adaptations—they're they're good on a camp level. You know, Street Fighter is hilarious. And I think it's because these properties are all just so niche that, yeah, why throw a lot of effort behind it? There's probably some maneuvering behind the scenes because when you get the rights to the film, you probably have a certain percentage on the merchandise and and all that other associated stuff. And even if it sucks, it might be enough for people to say, hey, I want to go check out, you know, the the Ghost in the Shell anime or the movies and then end up buying some figures or whatever. And the studio gets a little bump from that. Yeah, I mean, the old is new again, the whole reboot fetish, and uh, even on the anime scene where, you know, I was a guest at Anime Expo, one of the biggest cons in the, in the country, and the biggest two shows that were, were, that were plugged there were Dragon Ball Z with Battle of Gods and then the return of Sailor Moon. And it's like, and the meme goes up of Robin Williams from Jumanji going, what year is this? <laughs> you know, it's like, this was the same thing. It's like the original Toonami, and now it's back. And, you know, nostalgia bombs, that's awesome and everything. But, yeah, we're, we've got this obsession. Or at least Hollywood does because the box office receipts kind of go there, and everyone goes out of curiosity. And then by then, it's like, okay, this movie sucks, but it's too late. I already have your money. That's so awesome. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but you're also talking about a country where, you know, one of the largest spectator sports is NASCAR, and I don't get that. Me personally, again, it's not um, anything uh, to anybody who enjoys that, but I wonder if a big part of that is, you know, you you go waiting for the wrecks. You, you go for that spectacular fireball and that person careening into the wall. Dude, um, if, 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 if NASCAR were more like the video game Burnout or Split Second or, you know, those racing games that have total, you know, Michael Bay-esque explosions and everything, I think people would watch. And then it becomes Death Race. But I think that's why people turn out in droves to watch shitty movies, too, because it's, it's watching that train wreck. It's, it's just watching that spectacular failure and uh, jumping on forums and being first. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they predicted the future, man. It became the video games. It became Running Man. It became all this stuff where we just want to pe- watch people you know, kill each other. It's like Gladiator in the 21st century. So Agent Carter recently debuted, by the time you hear this, a couple episodes in. Fucking um, airing as we're talking now. <laughs> that's right. We're recording on the debut night of its pilot episode. I think it's eight episodes. I believe it's uh, seven episodes because they bumped the premiere to two hours as opposed to oh, one. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it's gotten great reviews. Of course, we can't speak to it because we haven't seen it yet, but I think your DVR is running, and then I got to wait a day because that's how Hulu works in North America. You got to wait for that show to post the next morning. It's like, well, I'm, I'm very excited to watch it, though. I Ever since they had that short, I think it was on the bonus features of Iron Man 3. Um, and then there were rumbles that they were going to do, you know, a shield series, which they have, and it's very, very good. And then, you know, 
kind of the origin of shield, at least a mini series. And now that's finally to fruition and, you know, a, a great kind of, um, symbol for it's like, okay, let's get some smart women out there. It's not all dudes, not a sausage fest. And they've been pretty upfront that <clears throat> that's kind of the premise. Um, the, the threat, at least for the time being, has been nullified thanks to Captain America's valiant sacrifice, uh, which is kind of silly to begin with because he could have survived that in a number of ways. But anyways, I <laughs> uh, Comic book movie, sir. Comic books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not so, Shakespeare. So she feels a little relegated to like kind of being the office secretary for S.H.I.E.L.D. now. She's the one making copies and, and making coffee. And, making and- copies. It's actually pretty cool that she has this opportunity with Howard Stark to be able to get kind of thrust into that uh, dangerous spy lifestyle. So, yeah, very powerful for for uh, womankind out there to kind of have this, uh, albeit 40-ish, 40s, 1940s-ish role model. But uh, pretty cool. And, and like I said, I'm not really big into a lot of these uh, superhero things on TV. I, I haven't got around to watching S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and none of the Warner Brothers stuff, but I really do want to check this out. I want to see how this ties in with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, perhaps even into the comics at some point. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you log on to Facebook, you're, you're always going to see snark in the form of memes and what's not, and you see the promo art for Agent Carter, and it's like, oh, is this, is this Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> I never like played that game or anything. I just know that we played back when I was a radio Disney DJ, we'd play like uh, a version of the theme song by Rockapella. But speaking of Agent Carter, are you excited at all to catch the, uh, the teaser for Ant-Man that's attached to this debut episode? Uh, I am, but I'm a cable cord cutter. So I don't know if they're going to tack that onto Hulu or not. I mean, if they do, that'll be great. I hope well, I'm they sure do. It's a little YouTube by now, but yeah, I mean, I'll just log on. So here it is, folks. Uh, here's the official one from Marvel's account. It's like, okay, good enough. I'll take that. But how do you feel about that property? Is this something that kind of gets the juices flowing? Or you kind of it like- does. It does because I've got a lot of faith in Marvel. They've been able to to knock it out of the park more times than not. Um, they took characters that a lot of comic book people. I'm not okay. I can't speak for everyone, but I would say they're not. They're not A-list ones. You know, Superman and Batman are the A-listers, right? Uh, Iron Man, not so much. Guardians, especially. That's pretty damn obscure. And now they're a household name. So if you take something like Ant-Man and people go, what the hell's that? Or, I mean, and it's worked for other obscure Marvel ones in the past. Before the cinematic universe became a concept, we had Blade, which did really well, at least the first two. And it's like, what's that? Oh, that's a Marvel thing. Hell, Big Hero 6 is based on a a Marvel comic that's obscure. So, you know, it does whet the appetite because they are willing to to take a gamble on something and and maybe just do it right. And like they did with Guardians and and such. I mean, I'm aware of Ant-Man through my Marvel comic collecting throughout the years, but I'm not intimately aware of ant-man i know of ant-man mostly from the avengers animated series the two or three iterations that have been on because he's always been a core member of the avengers so i want to see how a solo movie gets carried and at the same time i'm kind of curious is this kind of the setup the the origin story the introduction of ant-man to incorporate him into the avengers uh, perhaps sometime during civil war so i think that's going to be a little interesting yeah, do you think they could be they could be setting up conspiracy? They could be setting up these other solo movies to help replace whoever's going to be gone from the Avengers in the long run because it's yeah, been a lot out. of talk about that. <laughs> How much longer is Robert Downey Jr. going to stick around? You know, he's he's probably commanding the biggest paycheck out of anybody, and uh, I think it's kind of been put out there into the ether. And not just that, not not everybody wants to play these characters for the rest of their life. You don't want to get that type cast. You don't want to become the next Adam West, um, although he's very lucrative now. But, I mean, that that was a career killer for him throughout the 70s and the 80s because he was just known as campy Batman, and that was that. Um, 
I have a hard time with some of the departures some of the the actors are trying to make. I have a real hard time after watching Thor to buy uh, Chris Helmsworth as this really brainy computer hacker. So I see the trailer for this film coming out. I just shake my head. I'm like, it's it's fucking Thor. He's not hacking computers. (laughs) Yeah, you you feel the same way about like Jeremy Renner, right? It's like, well, he's he's Hawkeye or that dude from Hurt Locker. Um, That's who I know him as, 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 but... I know he's he's done other stuff besides that, but but yeah, absolutely, a lot of speculation that probably during the Civil War you're going to see some of these names depart. Uh, Robert Downer Jr., Chris Helmsworth, uh, dude that plays Captain America, his name escapes me right Chris now. Chris Evans, Chris Evans, but now you're setting up Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Ant Man. So absolutely, and with everything that's going on with Sony and the news changes every day. But, you know, there's still that brief, brief, brief chance you might see Spider-Man pop up and maybe a little cameo at some point in Marvel's cinematic universe. Yeah, and you never know what to trust nowadays. You, you you refresh your social media feeds and you see these articles that end up being clickbait. But sometimes they say, you know, really grandiose things. And you don't know if it's legit or not or if it's like, this is official. And then you read the article and it says... You know, supposedly this might happen, but it's it's like it's official that we're reporting that it supposedly might happen. Things like we're going to recast Andrew Garfield and go back to Tobey Maguire, you know, just really outlandish things like that. I think it's funny that all that hate mail uh, within that, that Sony internal leak with the, with Marvel just having a hissy fit with Andrew Garfield playing Spider-Man and how that was destroying the franchise. <laughs> um Good yeah, one. if Disney had the property, absolutely. They'd, they'd knock it out of the park. But uh, I, I think common sense dictates Sony's not going to let that happen. They're going to keep making these shitty movies, and they're going to cast whatever shitty characters they want to cast, and it's going to remain lucrative to them. And and because it's something Disney wants to get their hands on so badly, they're not going to let it go without a fight. So a lot of these stories you read about the, the real simple, easy plots and plans about how this is going to happen. This is business. This is multi-billion dollar industry. It's not going to happen that easy or that fast. You think Sony's still licking their wounds, not just from the hack, but the fact that the interview just kind of fell off the planet already. I mean, they put it out on Christmas and they, they did do well in terms of an online release and a limited theatrical run, but it's like the week after no one's talking about it anymore. And then PSN getting hacked over Christmas, which was just beautiful timing for Sony. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I was reading an article uh, last week, and they said, as far as 2014 was concerned, uh, Sony's problems really weren't that bad compared to DreamWorks. I guess DreamWorks just pumped out so much shit. It it just really destroyed their market. It uh, really destroyed the faith in the shareholders. It's like, no matter what Sony went through, DreamWorks had it a hell of a lot worse. Well, I mean, How to Train Your Dragon was a big hit. I mean, the sequel that came out this past year. Oh, don't get me started. (laughs) I love the first How to Train Your Dragon. I think that was a brilliant movie. It was a wonderful departure for DreamWorks. It wasn't pandering for children. Uh, Me, my wife, my two kids can sit down and we'll all mutually and thoroughly enjoy it. There was a lot of hype about the second one. A lot of very uh, credible um, reviewers have said that it was heads and tails better than the first one. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll be the first to argue, no, the first one was absolutely fucking brilliant. The second one was good, but it doesn't hold the candles to the first one. I say the same thing about Kung Fu Panda, too. The the first one was so much better than the second one, but so many people tout the second one as being so much better. And Obviously, I have the superior intellect in this argument. So, <laughs> obviously, their opinion is wrong. Quite obviously. <laughs> Do you think uh, you know? Let's scare the shareholders. I know how we can we can gurn them back. Let's make an anime adaptation. We'll <laughs> yeah, how, how's back. that for your for your speculative market? We had a really bad year, so we're going to start off 2015 with this release. <laughs> right. I wanted to kind of touch on something that I saw. You know, CES re- recently happened in Vegas with all the new tech and stuff you got people talking about 8k and then you know 4k becoming more mainstream 3d tvs kind of not being all that anymore quantum dot technology where you got the colors being boosted by 30 percent and curved displays you know not just samsung doing this anymore other companies catching on even 4k laptops something that really caught my eye and it was interesting ever since i heard the, the PSN doing like a beta test of, of running live TV on their network. And now you've had dish network come out their satellite service in case some people don't know they've got 
they're introducing a web-based service called Sling TV, which doesn't require any hardware, no cable subscription, uh, and you can no contracts, no credit check, and you can have live TV coming up, you know, just streaming online. Um, and available on your smartphone or tablet or PC or, you know, streaming boxes like Roku and Amazon Fire. No Apple TV though. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. And, uh, it almost makes me bat my eye and going, okay, well, that may be, that may be enough to make me delve back in, not because it is a low cost alternative to a cable package with, with, with things starting as low as 10 bucks a month. And then groupings like like a cable TV programming tiers, you know, for five bucks more, you get this grouping of channels and this grouping of channels. But it's still, if you do the math, it's still way cheaper than than uh, your standard thing. Now you're not going to have DVR functionality, and you're not going to have local TV channels. So that's that's the that's the caveat to that. But I think it's a really interesting business model. Have like all the big networks signed up for this? Uh, some of them have, you know, you got folks like ESPN, CNN, Cartoon Network, TBS, TNT. Um, but you got other, like some of the main networks are doing their own price models, you know, outside of that. So I think it was, is it CBS or NBC that may want to charge like, you know, five bucks a month or like Netflix, do something like that. And they just want to have you, oh yeah, you want to watch what's lump, you know, live on that. Awesome. The only downside is for people who have, you know, tiered data plans, this is going to be crazy unless you're on your home network. At some point, something's got to give because obviously everything's going over to that network um, business type model and cable's going to have to do that conversion at some point. I think, you know, personally, again, when it comes to my household and I have very low demands because my kids are very young. Cable works as expensive as it is, but it's convenient. Everything's in that one box. <clears throat> you can flip through the channels and look at the, the guide and select what you want to watch and DVR, what you want to watch later. It's still convoluted in the digital age because it's not all under that one umbrella. Like you said, NBC and CBS, they're both doing their own things to their own applications. Then you have this other application that has some network signed on. And then you have these other outside ongoing projects like Netflix and Hulu, I think that's what's making it a little bit slower for that mass adoption because you, you still have to have all these different subscriptions and you're paying five, six, seven, eight different companies to be able to watch what you want to watch. Yeah, but man, how cool is that if you can just consolidate the amount of uh, you know consoles or boxes in your entertainment center? It's like you just want to fire up your, your Xbox or your, your PS4 or whatever and just watch TV. Well, as I've said, that's been my ongoing disappointment because that's what Sony and Microsoft both touted with their next generation consoles. This is going to be the centerpiece in your entertainment center. You're not going to need any other hardware. And we're talking two iterations down the line and we still don't have that reality. So, you know, it's also 2015 and we don't have flying cars either. So say, say what you will about the state of technology. I just thought it would be more convenient at this point to be able to watch television, something as simple as watching television. Yeah, and the whole Sling TV is 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 born out of, you know, I think it may be the same company that put out Sling Box, which you had to have a cable subscription for, and it's a box that plugs into your TV and that, you know, you just download the the free app or whatever on your phone or your tablet or your PC and you can watch live TV that way. But this one takes it a step further. Now, of course, again, the caveat is yeah, no DVR functionality, none of that. But all these other cable companies are also doing their own thing where, oh, yeah, well, you know, subscribe to this and you can get DVR and, and, and access it for free on your smartphone, blah, 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 blah. There's so much different stuff. Uh, somebody in the chat just commented, I have Roku streaming stick because the Funimation app isn't available on the PS4. So, again, there was that difficulty in trying to get it all together when, when you decided when to watch something. It's like, oh, God, which do I have to go to Hulu or Netflix or this app or that app and – Sign into that account and do this and do that. It, it seems a little more convoluted. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Stody says no hoverboards. That's the that's the biggest thing, you know. Because Back to the Future 2015, we're supposed to have those lovely 80s outfits and hoverboards and auto lacing shoes. 
there's still time. Anything can happen. This is just the beginning of January. So that's true. That's <laughs> Maybe true. A paradigm shift come, you know, April. You know, this is a pre recorded podcast. You guys have already seen it a million times, and we'll talk about it later. But thanks to Hero004 for giving us the link to Ant Man trailer just dropped online. Yay. <laughs> what did you think of their tease trailer? Did you get to check that out? The first Ant Man tease? Uh,. What did I see? It was like test footage when Edgar Wright was was attached to it. It's like a little scene, like kind of kind of a fight scene. I don't know if it was an actually a, a trailer per se. I haven't seen anything with with Paul Rudd in it yet. You didn't see the ant size trailer that dropped a couple of days ago? No. Mm-mm. It was literally like a five pixel by five pixel box. It was the ant sized teaser for Ant Man. That was their little ha ha <laughs> joke. But people actually posted blown-up versions of it, not that it improved the quality at all. But I I did the slow golf clap for Marvel. I thought that was, you know, some good marketing there. I just want to know if Paul Rudd is going to do his same joke when he goes on the talk show circuit. He says, I got a clip from my new movie, and then the clip that is always shown is from Mac and Me. It's from like a kid in a wheelchair that accidentally falls down this cliff and, and, and speeding into a ravine or something like that. And that's just like this running gag he's had for years, at least with Conan O'Brien. It's like, that's that's not your new movie, Paul. I'm sorry. They'll sneak that into a television screen as they're walking by or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, God, man, there's only one other thing we could, we could cover because Hero actually... The one who, who told us about the Ant-Man trailer also mentions the HBO online service is kind of the nail in the coffin for the cable. Because if you guys didn't know, HBO is going to be able to, uh, you don't have to have HBO in your cable service. You can just subscribe, you know, 30, 40 bucks a month or something to just have HBO go and all that. And that ties in to uh, the thing that neither you or I really care about, but we know a lot of people out there do. The Game of Thrones on IMAX. <laughs> Like, is this overkill for a TV show? Grow now, kids. We'll wait. <laughs> right, because it's a TV show. It's shot for TV. It's blown up and upscaled to IMAX. Or is this a brand new trend? It's like, okay, maybe we can fight piracy by getting them to pay for it in the theater. In 150 IMAX theaters, they're going to be showing the last two episodes of this current season and the teaser trailer for the next season. And... uh you know, just talking about how HBO is making themselves more accessible. I, I don't understand what the incentive would be to leave your house and uh, pay those ungodly IMAX prices to watch something probably in shittier quality than you could at home streaming. I'm assuming it won't look pixelated, but again, it is upscaled. It's not the same thing, but... Uh... I mean, I love Walking Dead, and I know that I would be in an IMAX theater in a heartbeat if they if they took that show and said, "Hey, we want to watch the the you know the new episode or whatever." And but this one's like a couple of episodes from the season people have already seen, and then like a teaser trailer to the upcoming season. Exactly. Yep. Oh God. Okay. Well, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna do well. It's gonna do well. It's probably gonna make HBO go. Hmm. Maybe we should make a movie. I mean, that's the thing. If you were doing something exclusive for IMAX that really justified having that IMAX experience, I could see people getting excited, but it's the same thing, just on a bigger screen. I watch sports. I know you don't, but I'm going to be watching the Super Bowl this year, and I'm not going to go to an IMAX theater and watch it in IMAX just because that opportunity might be available. Dude, years before the internet became a thing, I was only excited about the halftime show and the movie trailers and the commercials which you can all watch outside of that now. In fact, some of the movie studios will post their their stuff before it's supposed to air on the actual uh, Super Bowl. So, I mean, I get the best of all worlds without having to sit through a boring game. I love how every year you still have companies that will still make these quote-unquote banned commercials. Oh, this was banned from airing during the Super Bowl. No, it wasn't, you fucking halfwits. <laughs> shitty commercial and then lied to people because you're working to spend the kind of money to get it aired during the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, airtime is pretty expensive on there, but it's a nice way to, to try and make it viral, I guess. It's like, this was banned. Like, nah, you just couldn't afford it. It's a beautiful angle. But hey, we're we're at the hour mark, boys and girls. Uh, we got nothing else to talk about anyway, but we will next week. So we want to say uh, thanks so much for joining us as we record our new shows. 
uh, every Tuesday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, on most weeks anyway. You follow us at BB Broadcast, and we got the links to the, the chat room so you can listen to our live audio feed and, and chime in so we can give you some shout-outs. So thanks to Setis, The Stody, Otaku Mama, Hero004, Godzilla5549, Aldra, and uh, Raritz Jess. Thank you for listening and checking out our show here on Smodco. Uh, and until next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by iShine, Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. Smodpods continue to pack live shows in 2015. Don't miss Kevin Ralph for Hollywood Babylon at the Hollywood Improv every Friday. Kevin Andy makes minds mighty with edumacation at the Ice House in Pasadena on January 31st. Looking ahead to February, Jason Muse hits Wizard World Madison Comic Con. February 6th through 8th. Ice House in Pasadena hosts Jay and Silent Bob Get Old on the 28th. Kev goes solo at the Tempe Improv on March 14th, followed with Jay and Bob Get Old. Why Bry heads to Florida in April. Fort Lauderdale Improv on April 17th. Palm Beach Improv on the 18th. And Orlando Improv on the 19th. Kev does an evening with in Fort Lauderdale as well on the 17th. And then West Palm Beach on the 18th. Cough up a little cash to see your favorite purveyors of free funny on Sir as they hit the road, coming soon to a con or comedy club near you. Tickets for these and all Smodco shows are at csmod.com.